Exodus chapter 30. Let's read about the incense altar. And this is one of the last pieces of furniture. There's basically one more, just the labor, which we'll talk about in two weeks. You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length, and a cubit its width. It shall be square, and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay its top, its sides all around, and its horns with pure gold. You shall make for it a molding of gold all around. Two gold rings you shall make for it, under the molding on both its sides. You shall place them on its two sides, and they will be holders for the poles with which to bear it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood... And overlay them with gold. You shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. When he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a meal offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus is our great high priest who died in our place, and who lives to make intercession for us. Father, help us to understand this small gold altar and to know that you hear our prayers. Thank you that you meet with us in our prayers. We pray that you would free us from distraction, help me to speak powerfully to your people. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this is the only piece of furniture of which there were two, or the only piece of furniture that has a counterpart that is the same kind of item. The Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat were a pair, they went together, but they were not two of the same kind of item. We only have one table, one lampstand, one curtain, and so on in the tabernacle. However, there were two altars. This altar and, of course, the other altar. The golden altar, the incense altar, this one, the small one, and then the large bronze altar in the courtyard. So we're going to talk about this piece of furniture, particularly in a way of comparison. How does it stack up to the other altar? And what can we learn about by comparing the similarities and differences of these two altars? Right, clearly... The tabernacle is primarily a place of sacrifice in that it has more furniture for sacrifice than for anything else. Just as someone can enter this room and say, 83 chairs, this room is for sitting in. There are more chairs in here than anything else. And in the same way, to walk into the tabernacle, you would say, all right, there are two altars. Clearly this place is about offering sacrifice. What we'll see is that the incense altar is the counterpart to the altar of burnt offering. 
And the presence of two altars teaches us that sacrifice has a physical side, the burnt offering, and a spiritual side, the incense altar. We must serve God, obviously, with both sides, the physical side of sacrifice and the spiritual side of the sacrifice. Well, how do the two altars differ? Uh, The previous altar, the bronze altar, as it's called, is described at the beginning of chapter 27. You shall make an altar of acacia wood, five cubits long, five cubits broad. The altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits. So when you walk in the gate of the tabernacle, there in the courtyard is this large altar. Remember, about half the size of a Volkswagen, seven and a half by seven and a half feet, with a gigantic fire burning on top of it. That altar is known as the altar of burnt offering, or the bronze altar. And its purpose, of course, is to burn up animals that are offered in sacrifice. That altar is, both altars are made of wood as the substrate, but the courtyard altar is covered in bronze, whereas the altar of incense is covered in gold. The bronze is for everything further from the presence of God, Silver is for things in the middle that are somewhat close, and then gold is for things that are to be placed in the immediate presence of the Almighty. It's the exact same system we use today. Gold is in first place, bronze, or gold is in first place, silver is in second place, bronze is in third place. So I don't know if the Olympics got that from the Bible, or if the Greeks were already doing that independently, but the gold, silver, bronze paradigm works perfectly here in Exodus. So we have a bronze altar and a gold altar. The bronze altar is outdoors. If you build a fire large enough to consume a 1,500-pound bowl inside a tent, you won't have a tent very long. The bronze altar, because of its function, had to be outdoors. It was not suitable for indoor use. The indoor altar and the golden altar is tiny, It's just one cubit square and only two cubits high. It's just a little bit of a thing, probably closer to a nightstand, a small nightstand, than any other piece of furniture you might have in your house. And it is not only indoors, but it is in the holy place, right up against the veil, separating the holy place from the holy of holies. It's practically in the Holy of Holies. It's like it's the most holy piece of furniture in the holy place. And it's associated here in our text. You shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. So it's only maybe inches from the ark of the covenant, despite there being a veil in between. And finally, the two altars are different in size. The altar of burnt offering is large, as I just mentioned. The altar of incense is small, again, as I just mentioned, half the size of a Volkswagen versus the size of a small nightstand. Uh, In other words, the altar of burnt offering has 25 times as much burning space as the incense altar. The incense altar top is one cubit square. Altar of burnt offering top is 25 square cubits. So, that's the contrast. That's what's different 
about these two altars, how they differ from each other. Where are they similar? Well, the first similarity, of course, is in the name. They're both altars. We don't have two tables. We don't have two lampstands. We don't have two arcs of the covenant. We don't have two tabernacle tents. We do have two altars. What is an altar? It is an elevated platform on which sacrifice is offered. Elevated platform on which sacrifice is offered. It's basically very similar to a table from the items of furniture that we're familiar with. You've seen children play with water tables or sand tables. An altar is simply a fire table. A table that's sturdy enough, strong enough to hold a fire. So, typically not made of wood. Most altars are made of dirt, of rock, or, in this case, of metal. Now, right away, this brings up the question, how was the incense burned on top of this little golden altar that just had, presumably, a pretty thin layer of gold on top of the wood? If you tried to pile incense on top of this altar and then light it on fire, would that not burn a hole through the gold and destroy the incense altar on its first outing? So the rabbis answered that question with, by staying, stating that most likely the incense was burned in some kind of fireproof bowl, a bronze bowl or something. In our narrative about Uzziah, it appears that he was burning gold on the altar, or burning incense on the golden altar, it says that. And it also says he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. So those religious bodies that use incense today typically burn it in a censer, a metal ball with holes to let air in that's designed to have the incense burn inside it. So perhaps the golden altar had a censer that sat on top of it and allowed the incense to be burned. God doesn't get into those details. It's one of the things that's not mentioned, like what was the floor of the tabernacle made of. An altar is a table on which fire burns to consume sacrifices. On the bronze altar, large animal sacrifices. On the golden altar, small perfumed incense sacrifices. But they're both altars. They're also both used to make atonement. The function of the altar is to wash away sin expiation, and not only that, to make things right with God, propitiation or atonement. So if you read in the description of the bronze altar in the previous chapter, chapter 29, it says, verse 36, you shall offer a bull every day as a sin offering for atonement. You shall cleanse the altar. This is the bronze altar. You shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it. You shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy. So, bronze altar is used to make atonement. When Aaron gets sacrificial blood, he goes to the bronze altar and he kills the animal there, collects the blood there, burns up the animal there. And then he brings that blood into the holy, of, the holy place and... He touches the blood to the horns of the little golden altar. He makes atonement for it, or better, upon it. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout 
your generations. So Aaron comes into the holy place with this blood. The small incense altar has four horns, one at each corner. Aaron applies blood to those horns. It's a way of saying this altar is cleansed with blood. It is no longer sinful. It is instead something, a tool that we can use to remove sin and to be right with God. So finally, both altars are used in tandem. They're both used morning and evening, 365 days a year. So the incense altar, uh, verse 7, Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. When he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it. So in the morning, Aaron comes in to start the day, burns incense on the incense altar. In the evening, when he's leaving for the night, lighting the lamps, he burns incense on it. And that's exactly like the daily burnt offering on the bronze altar. Verse 39 of the previous chapter, One lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. This is what you shall offer two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. So, by having ceremonies going on on both altars simultaneously, what is God signaling? He's saying essentially that these are two different parts of one act of worship. It's evening. We kill the sin offering, or we kill the burnt offering out here on the bronze altar in the yard. And we're at the same time burning incense on the golden altar inside the building. And then we repeat that the next morning. Repeat that the next evening, day by day, through the course of more than a thousand years. This is ongoing. One priest sacrificed a burnt offering, another burns incense. Both are working together to maintain the presence of God among his people through the animal sacrifice, through the incense sacrifice. So what is the point? Now that we've compared the altars, contrasted the altars, what do we take away? Well, first of all, sacrifice pleases the Lord. The tabernacle is a sacrificial institution, a place where sacrifice is made both inside and outside. The smell of a burning animal is not one that most of us would call a pleasing aroma. But God calls it a pleasing aroma. Verse 41 of the previous chapter The other lamb you shall offer at twilight for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. And from the beginning in Genesis 9, where Noah offers a sacrifice and the Lord smells the sweet aroma, there are many, many passages of Scripture that describe the smell of an animal sacrifice as a sweet aroma, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So we have one source of pleasing aroma on the bronze altar that's burning an animal, We have a second source of pleasing aroma on the incense altar that's burning incense, something specifically formulated to smell good. (coughs) And the recipe for that incense is actually in chapter 31, or rather it's in this chapter, at the end of chapter 30. I don't know if anyone has ever tried to formulate it. It would be an interesting experiment, though God says, if you make it, I will cut you off from my people. So maybe that's why no one has tried Anyhow, we have two sources of pleasing aroma. Bronze altar, golden altar. Incense is specifically formulated to smell good when burned. And we're going to talk more about scents in the next few weeks as we look at the recipe for the anointing oil and the incense. 
The two altars worked in tandem to do one thing, to please God by making atonement for the sins of Israel, to dedicate the people to God. We talked about this, right? The sin offering takes away sin. The burnt offering says, God, I am entirely yours. Use me however you will. And then to maintain God's residence among them. To say, we're cleansed from sins, we belong to you, and therefore, Lord, stay with us. Both altars work together to, this, to perform this goal. With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Or as the Hebrew idiom has it, his face is smooth. You all know that somebody's angry when their face is contorted with rage. Hebrew says, rather than saying he calmed down, it says more poetically, his face was smooth. He no longer looked angry. God is well pleased with these offerings, and above all, of course, with the offering of his beloved son. We can say further that sacrifice has two dimensions, symbolized by the two different sacrifices that were ongoing in the institutional life of the tabernacle. The first dimension is the physical dimension, to give an expensive animal. We talked about that last week, that to give the animals just for the ordination of the priests would have cost potentially around $28,000. There is a significant physical element in sacrifice that Jesus describes for New Testament times as giving a cup of cold water to a little child in Jesus' name. You give something that costs you something. You give something tangible as a sacrifice and you say, I am giving this to God. You give the cup of cold water, not because it's a big deal, but because you're dedicated to serving Christ. But that's what the bronze, al- or that's what the bronze altar symbolizes. But what about the golden altar? Well, actually, the Bible tells us twice that incense symbolizes prayer. Psalm 141 begins this way. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste to me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. It's fascinating, David refers to both altars here in Psalm 141. He says, I would like my prayer to be in parallel with the incense altar. My prayer is like incense. And then my physical act of worship, my lifting up of my hands, that should be like the evening sacrifice on the bronze altar. David describes two kinds of worship. The spiritual side, prayer, which is like incense. Then the physical side, an actual physical action of obedience to God, lifting up his hands. That's like the offering, the burnt offering, on the bronze altar. Revelation 5 similarly speaks of golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. In heaven, John sees these golden bowls full of incense, and he tells us what that incense symbolized is the prayers of the saints. In short, we can say that prayer as an internal act of obeisance and worship, the inner hidden core of the spiritual life, 
is what the incense altar represented. The incense altar stands for or teaches us about prayer as this internal hidden act of the spiritual life. It stands for the internal side of religion, the heartfelt aspect. The bronze altar in the courtyard stands for the external service of worship. Put both together and you have genuine faith working by love. If you think of faith as more of a heart reality, I believe and God knows I trust Him, that comes out in love, I do things that please God. God had the altar of burnt offering blazing away in the courtyard while the altar of incense blazed away in the holy place because neither one was sufficient in itself to stand for all of true religion. Giving your body to be burned or the body of your animal to be burned is not enough without the internal heart attitude of love. Without love, it's nothing. And thus the prophets speak constantly of giving sacrifices. Shall I give 10,000 rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? If your heart is not with God, the external sacrifices don't matter. In Isaiah 1, God says, I can't stand this, that you come to my courts and trample them and offer all these sacrifices. I hate, I abhor your burnt offerings. God says in Amos, I hate them. Well, God had asked for the burnt offerings. Why does he say he hates them? Well, because their hearts are not right. What the incense altar symbolized was missing. So sacrifice has these two dimensions. And therefore, our sacrifices need to have both dimensions. Our Christian life needs to have both dimensions. Christ had both dimensions, as I hardly need to point out. He was physically perfect. I don't mean his physique, though that was also attractive, as we talked about with Genesis 49, but his external moral purity. He was perfect in every external action. He gave exactly what he should, did exactly what he should, spoke exactly what he should, loved exactly as he should, never missed an opportunity to honor his father and mother or to restore and maintain his neighbor's property, to tell the truth, all of the commandments, he kept them perfectly. He was externally, morally perfect. But not only did his hands never sin, his heart never sinned either. Internally, he was also perfect. There was no guile in his mouth. There was no guile in his mind. Christ perfectly fulfilled both the bronze altar and the incense altar, the golden altar. Not only did he pray to the Lord all night at times, he also gave himself as the perfect physical sacrifice. So what does this mean for our sacrifices? What should we do? Well, we should turn over to Hebrews 13. We're going to Take the application from for the golden altar from two verses in Hebrews because they sum up so well these points. They're back to back. We're going to take them in opposite order. But uh, Hebrews thirteen sixteen, do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. 
What does the Hebrew writer tell us? The external physical sacrifices of doing good and sharing please God. Take what you have to share what you have is a sacrifice. Right? We no longer need to bring a bull or a ram. Instead, we should put money in the collection plate. Give our time to those who are sick. Go visit them in the hospital. Shovel a disabled brother's driveway. Help a little old lady get to her doctor's appointment. Things like this. Doing good. Sharing what you have. We've talked about this, especially your time, your space, your money, your food. This is sharing what you have. Don't forget to do that. I typically donate to my alma mater, to Greenville Presbyterian Seminary. I got my tax statement from them at the end of 2022, and I had forgotten to give. I looked at that and I said, I thought I gave more than this. Apparently I didn't. Right? You can forget to do good and share. You can just be driven clean out of your mind. The bronze altar reminded you when you came into the tabernacle, don't forget to physically sacrifice an animal. If a priest comes in for the evening shift and the altar is out and there's no animal on it, the priest says, uh-oh, we have forgotten to do good and to offer a sacrifice tonight. We're in trouble, folks. It's a little easier in our lives to just kind of ignore this. Oh, I'll do good and share some other time. I'm busy this week. Don't have time. Don't have money. Don't have food. Don't have space. Don't have inclination to share them if I did have them. The Hebrew writer tells us, taking off Exodus and the bronze altar, don't forget to do good and share. Hebrews tells us that to do this is a sacrifice. They're the kinds of sacrifices best represented by the bronze altar, the exterior altar that costs serious money. But there's another kind of sacrifice, the one addressed by the incense altar, verse 15 of Hebrews 13. Therefore, by Christ, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So we have this other sacrifice, the internal sacrifice or the sacrifice of words in which we offer the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Praise and confession, says the Hebrew writer. The kind of sacrifice that the golden altar represents is to praise God, to tell him how wonderful he is, and to confess him. To say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. To admit when the chips are down, when the going is tough, that yes, I believe in God. Yes, I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Even if you don't want to hear that, even if it's unpopular, I will still say it. Jesus is Lord and Jesus is my Lord. That's the kind of sacrifice that praises and pleases God. The fruit of our lips confessing His name. This kind of sacrifice to just say, praise God. To say, I believe in Jesus. It's not as large, it's not as stinky, it's not as expensive as burning an animal. Or even as inviting someone over for dinner. 
But it is closer to the heart of God in one sense, closer to the Holy of Holies, just as the incense altar was. So we should serve God inside and out. That's the message of the bronze altar paired with the golden altar. Serve God with your heart. Serve God with your body. Honor Him with your life and what you do externally. Honor Him in your heart and what you think and do, say, internally. Don't let the incense altar get ahead of the altar of burnt offering or vice versa. Right There are people, have been people, who are really good one or the other. Have a great life in terms of sharing, caring, communicating, helping others. And you ask them, what are your devotional practices? Oh, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy doing good deeds. And there are others who say, oh, I spend three really good hours every day with God. You say, that's wonderful. How do you bring that to bear on your service to the church? Uh, uh. Don't, right, the priest can't just give the incense or just give the bowl. They have to give both every day. We are priests, kings and priests to God in Christ. We should be offering both kinds of sacrifices. The fruit of lips that acknowledge his name and to do good and share. Both of these are the kinds of sacrifices that please God. So serve God inside and out as a living sacrifice. That will indeed be a pleasing aroma to him because it will show that you are like the one who sacrificed himself for us and our salvation. (coughs) Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son and his perfection and that there was no guile in his mouth or in his mind that he served you perfectly with his body and that he served you perfectly with his heart. Father, help us to pray to you sincerely. Give us better prayer lives. Help us to take the time that you've given and use it to praise you and confess your name. But at the same time, Father, don't let us forget to do good and to share because these sacrifices also please you. Help us to remember to be generous with what you've provided for us. Not to forget it. Not to forget to offer on the altar of burnt offering. Father, we are yours. That means not just our stuff, but our hearts. And of course, the opposite is true. It means not just our hearts, but our stuff. Help us to serve you with both, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.